Hello and welcome back to Talking Europe. Ukraine is seeking 50 billion euros in budget support from the European Union. If it doesn't get it, it might have to raise taxes or even print money this spring, officials in Kiev have suggested. What is at stake is not only Ukraine's finances, though, but the EU's whole commitment to Kiev's membership of the European Union. Brussels has formally agreed to start accession talks with Ukraine, but it's going to be a long road. And the Hungarian prime minister has warned that there will be plenty of opportunities for him to block the process. On the financial aid, Mr Orban has signalled that he could approve individual envelopes rather than a one-time agreement on the fund. That, of course, would give him room to defy his EU colleagues in a whole series of decisions this year and perhaps in the next years too. Well, to debate what the response to Viktor Orban's tactics should be, I'm joined by Gunnar Beck, a German MEP from the Identity and Democracy Group. He's a member of the Eurosceptic AFD, or Alternative for Germany. And also joining us is Sophie Innertfeld, a Dutch MEP from the centrist Renew Europe group. Uh, thank you so much to both of you for being on this program. Um, if I could start with you, Sophie Innertfeld, you said around the time of the last dramatic EU Council in December that uh, the EU had made effectively a political choice to be held hostage. Yes, indeed. Uh, they've given in to the extortion uh, of Mr. Orban. So, you know, basically they, they show him that uh, blackmail works. Uh, they have promised the day before the Council Summit, so it was very obvious what the, the purpose was, uh, they promised to release um, EU funds, 10 billion uh, in EU funding, uh, claiming that Mr. Orban's government has now met the uh, the necessary rule of law criteria. Yeah, th th that was the European Commission, though, saying that it was simply following its its own uh, schedule and making decisions according to the criteria. But ju just to get Gunnar Beck's reaction to that quickly, Gunnar Beck, is, is Viktor Orban holding the rest of the EU hostage? What do you think? Yes, well, actually, I was uh, about to take exception to the rather emotive and uh, strong wording used here. Uh, uh, this is not a case of ma uh, blackmail. Mr. Orban is uh, acting entirely within his treaty rights. As regards foreign policy, the EU Commission doesn't have a supranational authority. Uh, 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 decisions require unanimity in most cases. Uh, unanimity is certainly required here in this case. So Mr. Orban uh, by holding out uh, for concessions in order to give approval, and in fact uh, by demanding annual votes, uh, is not contravening the treaty. Uh, it's his absolute right under the treaty. The problem here is that the EU has got into a habit of uh, supranational uh, decision-making where it doesn't acknowledge the national veto any longer, but the national veto still exists under the existing treaties. Okay, let, let's have, uh, Sophie Nefeld, could you respond to that, what Gunnar Beck just said? Yes, well, the treaty also foresees the possibility uh, of suspending the voting rights of a member state. The European Parliament has been calling for that uh, in the case of Mr. Orban for many years already. Um, he was always protected by his 
let's say, uh, kleptocrat partners in Warsaw, but now there is a new government which is committed to the rule of law. Um, and I don't think, you know, having a veto, uh, the, the few vetoes that remain, are not meant to extort the European Union uh, in order to get access to EU funding, as my colleague seems to suggest. They're actually meant to be used in the interest of the citizens. But, I mean, my colleague was introduced as a member of the uh, Alternative für Deutschland as a Eurosceptic party. I think that is a bit too generous. The AFD is a far-right party, uh, fiercely anti-European, anti-democracy, uh, uh, anti-fundamental rights. Okay, let, let's not let's not get into so, the whole debate though on on terminology around the AFD because we, we should stay on the whole Ukraine issue. And Sophie and Defeld, what what should the uh, work around be, in your opinion, because there's this new uh, summit, uh, a very important one in early February. What could a solution then look like uh, among 26 members, do you think? Well, um, solutions can always be found, but to, uh, a quick reaction to what you said mm. about terminology. It does matter, because what matters here is we're talking mm. about decisions affecting uh, Ukraine, decisions having to do with our relationship with Russia, uh, and we see that there are people like Orban, uh, and his allies and supporters uh, who are representing the interests of Ms. Mr. Putin within the European Union. I find that uh, very, very problematic. So it does matter. It does matter. It is important to point it out. What we have to do is take... Uh, the decision has now been, been taken to, uh, to start the, the talks with Ukraine on accession. That at least he hasn't blocked. Uh, the point is that Orban also knows that that is a, a, a much more long-term process, uh, but he has blocked the funding and he is now uh, requiring that uh, in return for lifting his veto, he says uh, we now have to, to pay it in, as it were, installments in, in, in four or five years, which would give him a new fresh veto every year. Um, so I think the other countries have to say we will no longer be uh, held hostage, will trigger Article 7, suspend the voting rights of Mr. Orban, uh, and move ahead with the 26. Um, uh, Gunnar Beck, if, if this uh, idea of cutting up the decision-making into you know, annual reviews and so on, if that actually happens, then it's obviously going to be very, very hard for Ukraine to have any long-term financial planning. That's one of the key problems here, isn't it? Well, let me first just say a word about the uh, Mrs. Tidfeld's uh, uh, rant here. Uh, the fact of the matter is we are a democratically elected party and expressing a perfectly legitimate view. In fact, on this occasion, I'm expressing uh, the view upholding the existing treaty framework. And nothing, she said, uh, indicates that Mr. Orban is violating the treaty. It's as simple as that. Now, to the political question you've just raised, namely, uh, Mr. Orban prefers annual decision-making. Uh, the EU Commission favours a four-year decision. Now, there are arguments either way. Uh, the truth of this matter, no one knows uh, how the military uh, situation is, is evolving. There are indications now that the US may be less enthusiastic about supporting Ukraine. The whole war isn't going uh, uh, terribly well for Ukraine. Who knows whether in four years... Um, Russia and uh, uh, Ukraine are still engaged in this conflict. I think we've got to be open to other solutions 
including peace negotiations. And I think Mr. Orban's position that we review the situation every year is a perfectly sensible one. It's politically eminently reasonable. And uh, what many in the European Parliament from the opposite spectrum are trying to do is to tie the European Union into a, a long-term commitment to supporting Ukraine, um, which may not be in Ukraine's interests because the losses of this country in this war are terrible, and it may not be in our interests. The European Union is in deep economic crisis. And spending 50 billion euros is not a small thing. Okay, it's perfectly sensible let, 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 to review that annually. Let, let's get let's get Sofia Nefeld's response to that. Does uh, does Orban have a point about trying to perhaps th think of uh, an off ramp or peace talks between Russia and Ukraine, or is that totally uh, missing the point? Well, it's totally unacceptable. There is no conflict here. Russia has invaded Ukraine. That's something completely different. He's even in between the lines or actually quite explicitly threatening uh, to also seek uh, a violent conflict with uh, EU member states. Uh, I think we should take that very seriously. I do not think that we should in any way tolerate this kind of annexation. It also sets a precedent, even, you know, even for those who don't care about uh, Ukrainian people. Uh, this is also about the integrity of Europe, the European Union. This is about our Ukrainian friends who are defending our security, our values. And I know that there's some in the European Union, like Mr. Orban, uh, and probably also like Mr. Beck, who are on the side of Mr. Putin. I suppose Mr. Beck also hopes that Mr. Trump will return in the United States uh, White House next year. We very much hope that that is not the case. But it is true, and there we probably agree, that the European Union has to become a lot more independent when it comes to its own security and uh, its own defense. Uh, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, and the majority of Europeans, uh, Ukraine is very much part of the European family, hopefully soon a member of the European Union. Um, the question about a, a recent controversy surrounding Charles Michel, the head of the European Council. Um, he says he's stepping down to seek a uh, career in the European Parliament, and this has opened the possibility that Viktor Orban might actually chair the EU Council uh, at a pretty sensitive time, one could say. Um, what do you both think of that? Just, just very briefly, because we're running out of time. Gunnar Beck first, if you could. Well, I mean, this is all very speculative uh, mm. right now. Uh, I have no problem with Mr. Orban. And as far as the topic we've been discussing here, uh, I'd like to stress again, Mr. Orban is acting within his treaty rights. It's as simple as that. And I think it'd be useful to focus on the legal question here because it is ultimate, the, ultimately the basis for discussions in the EU uh, a very final quick point on that, if you could, Sophie Interfelt, on uh, are you worried about the situation of, of uh, Orban perhaps chairing the EU Council? Well, I, I think uh, a solution will be found for that because I think it is unacceptable. I mean, it's unimaginable even that he would be president uh, of the European Council. Uh, but it does show, uh, the fact that we're in this situation does show that the, the national governments have for far too long tolerated the situation, just hoping that the problem would go away. Uh, and it is very clear that we have to be much, uh, uh, you know, really stand up for the rule of law, for our values, uh, for our common 
uh, European interest. And the European Council, unfortunately, has focused far too much on a kind of horse trading and national interest. It is really urgent that we focus on the common European interest now. That's all we have time for. Thank you so much to both of you, Gunnar Beck and Sophie Innertfeld. That's all for this edition of Talking Europe. We'll be back with another episode very soon.